Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. Sometimes I feel like my better preaching has come when I didn't have, I was underprepared. I think sometimes I get too prepared. When I listen to Pastor Kevin, I think, how did you get that prepared? But anyhow, just different than all. You know, I, I'm, I'm convinced of one thing, that my gifting is not teaching, it is exhorting. But I exhort in my teaching. I told my wife this morning, I really believe that probably I ought to prophesy for the next hour. I feel that. I sense the, the pro prophetic word stirring. I feel like God wants to command us in some things today. Amen? I appreciated, Brother Brad, the things that he was saying about Psalm 119. He, at first he was saying it has 170. I said six. I think Maria thought I thought it had six verses, but... Hundred and seventy six verses. And 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 you if you weren't here you may not catch this, but I'll just say it for those who are here. Verse one hundred and sixty says the entirety of his word is the truth. And all every righteous judgment endures forever. How many know God never changes? See, we, we forget that. God has not changed at all. You know what's changed? How He deals with people. That's what's changed. When Jesus came, everything changed in terms of the way He deals with the people of the world. Amen? You can say amen. It's true. To the Jew first, then also to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you know that salvation is of the Jews? That's in the red letters. Can you believe there are people that only believe the red letters? That's what Pastor Bram was talking about. People who, they're on, people who only believe the Gospels, nothing else. People who only believe what Paul preached, nothing else. But Jesus believed the whole word, didn't he? You know what his name was? The word. You can't just take a piece of the word. You've got to take all of it because he's all the word. He's the word made, made flesh. He's what the word is walking around. Hallelujah. Well, I want to give credit today for a blessing that I had this week that I never had before. Jamie and Shauna invited my wife to feed the horses this week. Four horses. I'd never fed one in my whole life. So at the age of 71, I finally fed horses. And I tell you what, I can understand why you sort of get to love those things. Yesterday, the last day that we fed, I don't know which one it was, I think my wife said it was Lady, came over to me and sort of did her head at me. I think she was saying thanks. Just right before that, my wife said, we've got to let out the dogs because they were in the house. They were cooling off. 
So she opened the door, and two dogs ran out, then a horse ran out. Really, it was a Great Dane. Boy, that's a big dog. But we had a good time, Jamie. I want you to know that. We enjoyed it very much. It was quite an quite a experience for my wife and I to share together. We'd never done that together. Yes, sir, man. Any, anytime you want us to do it again, we'll be glad to do it again. Hallelujah. Listen, we're talking <clears throat> about prayer, aren't we? Isn't that right? Turn to Luke chapter 18. Over the years, it's become one of my favorite passages because it always challenges me when I don't feel like praying. Preacher, you mean there are times you don't feel like praying? Yes, I'm just like you, a man of the same nature. Sometimes I find myself looking for excuses not to pray. No, there were no amens. Was that because there was a bunch of old me's out there? But I like this passage because this straightens everything out. I'm going to use this and then we're going to go somewhere else in terms of what I believe the Lord wants to prophesy to us today. Are you in Luke chapter 18? He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her coming, continual coming she weary me. Let by her continual coming she weary me. Do you, you think that the Lord's talking about breaking God down? No, He's talking about continually coming, continually. They that continue in the faith, He will present holy, blameless, and unreproved in His sight. If you continue... We don't hear much about a continuing message anymore, do we? Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge His own elect who cry out day and night to Him, though He bear long with them? I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith in the earth? Will He really find faith in the earth. I see two things here in this passage that are very stirring to me. It's the word of faith and it's the word of the heart. Even as I was sitting there thinking about this, I felt like the Lord was saying to me that the heart of man is the plumb line of God in his inward man. The heart of man is the center of our being. How whatever condition our heart is in, our relationship with God is in. Can you say amen to that? You can say amen because it's true, see. Always ought to pray and not lose, don't lose heart. 
Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are loyal toward Him. That's a comfort to me because God's not looking for me to be perfect in all my ways, in all of my actions, even in all of my thoughts and imaginations, but He is looking for me to have a loyal heart. Because if I can stay before the Lord with Him dealing with my heart, I can present to Him a loyal heart. How do I know that? Because it's by faith. That's why Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith in the earth? And what He's talking about, He's not talking about faith as the gift of faith. How many know everybody has a gift of faith who's born again? I'm not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I'm talking about Romans chapter 12, verse 3. To every man, every person, everyone is given a measure of faith. That is so definite and sure that 2 Corinthians 4.13 says that faith is a spirit. It's the spirit of faith. When you're born again in your spirit, you have received the gift of faith. So you never have to say again, if I just had faith. You've got it. You never have to say again, I, ha I have no faith. You've got the faith. The only thing waiting is for you to exercise the faith that you have. Amen? So that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about exercise faith. When the Son of Man comes, will He find people exercising their faith? And isn't it interesting that He talks about this in the context of prayer? And so we've been being challenged by Pastor Kevin and by our preaching over these past weeks about that just simple subject of prayer. And, I, and I've told you and I'll keep saying to you because I believe it's impossible uh, for me to stand here and act like I'm the one who's arrived. But I believe that we're all on our way. And this year has been a great year for me. Last year was great because we joined with Legacy. ALC did. And uh, this year is great because I've begun to get better. I've, be I've begun to feel strong. This morning when I woke up, I felt strong. It feels so good to get up and feel strong. I worked hard in the yard yesterday and day before yesterday. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm getting strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen. And so I'm feeling good. And uh, I credit it to the 21-day fast that we had back in January. And I felt like during that time the Lord challenged me again. I've told you this, but it's very important to hear it again. He challenged me to get back to my first love. And my first love, when I came into revival in 1990, my personal revival that's continued to this date, is that I found Jesus in a fresh way in 1990. And for years and years, especially for, from 1995 to 2005, 15, I mean, for 20 years, every day, every day I sought Him. And it was first. And somehow I had let my schedule begin to be, well, I'll get that later. I'll pick that up later. And, you know, it's easy to get that way, isn't it? 
And so for the last four months, five, it's five months now, I've been getting up and seeking the Lord first, His Word first, time of prayer first. Except when my grandchildren are there, it's hard for that prayer life to talk about finding an excuse. Those little fellows get up in the middle of the morning. I mean, I'm talking early. So when you're semi-retired, you can get up at 8 o'clock sometimes and 9, you know. But no matter what time I get up, I'm seeking the Lord first, the Word first, prayer first. And listen, I, I, I wanted, I'm trying to be as honest as I can, but I don't want you to get discouraged for me. But passing through this Parkinson stuff and passing through the not being able to sleep stuff, I came to feel like I was dying physically. And I began to have to quote, and I've told you this, but I'm going to keep telling you this, Greg, because we need to hear it again. Amen? I had to pray, I, am, I, am, I will not die, but live, and declare the works of God. That's how bad off I was. But now I'm feeling so good. And I have to credit it for my seeking the Lord in a, in a fresh way again. Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, He said, I have this against you, a great church of Ephesus. I have this against you. You have left your first love. Yeah. You know, either He will be first or He'll not be at all. Seek first the kingdom of God or you're not seeking at all. First. God must be first. Jesus must be first. He's our bridegroom. He's, his, the Bible doesn't say that he's jealous, even though it says that sort of like that, but what he says really is his name is jealous. I just read that again the other day, and it really caught my eye. His name is jealous. Not only is his name wonderful, his name's jealous. He's a jealous God. He, listen, James chapter 4, he said, talked about this spirit of jealousy that's in us, in God. Man, he's, he's quite the jealous God. Amen? I'm prophesying to us. He's jealous. He's jealous for you. You can't lay, put him aside. You can't put him in second or third place. You can't seek him sort of and think that, 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 that what God has for you is going to come your way. You've got to seek. You've got to knock. You gotta ask. You gotta keep on keeping on. You gotta keep on keeping on. <laughs> I'm changing the words. You gotta keep on. Don't quit. The only way we can lose is quit. And if we don't quit, we're not gonna lose. And even in times when we find ourselves having fallen, well, like Peter. At the crucifixion, it says Peter was following Jesus from a distance. You ever felt that way about yourself? I'm following the Lord, but it's at a quite a distance. So the Lord calls us back to this thing, and this, this thing of prayer, this is it. And so this morning, I wanted to challenge us to retake an inventory once again and understand this. Most of us, Stay away from the Lord and the place of prayer <clears throat> because we live under a cloud of accusation, a cloud of condemnation. <clears throat> I don't care who you are, how long you've been in God. You will invariably wrestle 
with a sense of I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. Anybody look at me and say, that's true. It's an old tactic of the enemy. And so what's important this morning as we consider the, the issue of prayer, and that's what we're doing, considering the issue of prayer, we must consider that the first thing that happens for us if for prayer's sake is faith comes. Faith comes. If you don't believe that, go over to Galatians chapter 3, and it talks about after that faith has come when it talks about Jesus. That's that passage that talks about the law, that the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ until faith comes. And then it says when Jesus had come, it said after that faith has come. Again, I want to just shake you a little bit. You don't have to get faith. You got it. Use it. Be like somebody having a gun on the side of their table. Somebody breaks in your house at night and you say, Oh, I sure wish I could get that gun. I wish I had that gun. It's right there. Just use it. Amen. All you got to do is click the chamber and then everything else will be okay. They'll hear that. Amen. <laughs> say, Pastor, you mean you got a gun beside your bed? I sure do. Every now and then my wife, hides, when she hides it from the grandchildren, I forget that she's hidden it. But now, she, now I know where she hides it, so I, but I still like to have it right there. Amen. I'm going to shoot him in the leg. No, I won't do that. The thief comes but to, you come into my house, that's who you are. You're a killer. I don't know, I just like to talk about somebody sometimes. You know, we just, we just folks. My wife said, you don't need a gun, you just need the name of Jesus. I said, I do need the name of Jesus and my gun. Amen. The thief comes but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a thief here that's come to steal your confidence. Steal your assurance. Because I want to say to us again that what we have from God is the gift of faith. We have the gift of grace. We have the gift of righteousness. We can stand before God without any condemnation as we come by the blood of the Lamb and know that His, His blood has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. There's a philosophy out there somewhere that you might hear from time to time. We don't need to confess our sins. That's not what the Bible says. The New Testament says it. The Epistle says it. John the Apostle says it. That we need to confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That which keeps us from standing in the place of righteousness which we have by gift. Wouldn't it be terrible not to be able to stand in the place of righteousness by gift because you have not confessed your sins? Listen, I make that a part of my life every day. And I, I just, the Bible tells me that I'm to be an example of the believer. And I'll, I'll show you some scripture in just a moment and encourage you in this way. Every day I come by the blood. Of the Lamb. Every day I acquire the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus upon my heart. 
for the cleansing of my spirit every day. I want to be ready when I meet people to be a vessel of honor, a vessel fit for his use. And I can't trust in myself. I've got to trust in what he has made me. He has made me to become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He has made me to become that, the righteousness of God. Now I am to become the expression of that righteousness. But Pastor Brad talking about the law and grace. Listen, when you got born again and I got born again, God placed the law in our hearts. If it wasn't good, he wouldn't have put it there. And he also put his law in our mind. I point to my head, but that's not my mind. My head's the brain. The mind is a spiritual place which consists of both the works of the, of the brain and whatever the mind is. Because when I die, my mind's not going to die. Though my brain will be buried or, or burned up. Isn't it good to know that? Aren't you glad that a lot of things are going to be forgotten that you've remembered? Amen. So he's put his law in our heart and in our mind. And his, the Bible says, this is, this, this is the new covenant. Jer Jeremiah chapter 31 prophesied it. Hebrews 8 and chapters 10 give us the fulfillment. He writes his word or his law upon our hearts. And he writes it in our minds. Man, this stuff's good. Grace is not the absence of law. Grace is the presence to make certain that it's kept. Not for the purpose of being made righteous, but for the purpose of walking right with God. If God hasn't made you righteous and made you right by gift, then you're back under the law. That's what, that's what the message of grace is saying. Always remember this, by the way. I, I want to keep saying this in these days because there's some funny stuff out there. I'm like Pastor Brad. There's some, just some funny stuff. Peter said, this is the true grace of God that he was speaking about. Read the epistle of First Peter. You'll find that. If there's a true grace, then there's a, there's a false grace. Don't ever try to combat the message of grace by saying that's too extreme. Grace is extreme. Somebody said there's only one way to describe grace. It's amazing. Yeah. Grace, the grace of God is the DNA of God. I want to say that to us over and over. Second Peter chapter 1 says that we have been made able to be partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature, the DNA of God. Divine nature ability. That's what you have in your spirit. When you got born again, the Lord came to join Himself to you, just like a husband and a wife. But if you'll study the Scriptures very clearly, you'll find out that it's only in the intimate act that this life is shared and this relationship is increased or embellished, as it were, and produces life. That's the verbiage. That's the word that's being used there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Remember reading that? 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. The context there, remember what it said, he is joined to a harlot? What does it say? Come on, class. He's one flesh with her. In the act of intimacy, the oneness occurs in the life force of that couple. That's what happens with us and God. That's what prayer ultimately is about, us drawing near to the Lord by the blood of Jesus and declaring that in His name and His righteousness we come, by His blood we come, and what we're looking for is intimacy so that He can bear His life in us, form His life in us, produce His life in us, and present us that day as His life. Does that make sense to anybody? Can you follow that? I'm preaching the Bible to him, just not giving you all the references. All right, let's see. Now, the next thing I want to address concerning our condemnation factor, our accusing factor that we have from the enemy, and our own flesh, our own mind accusing us, declaring our lack of worth and value, loathing ourselves. You know, something, I, I think we thought for a long time that a doctrine of the Scripture was loathing ourselves. And I, maybe I contributed to that in some circles because I often like to quote the Scripture where Paul said in Romans 7, 24, he said, O wretched man that I am, not that I was. He said in verse 18 prior to verse 24, he said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh. There is no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform, I don't find. And then that's when he got to verse 24 and said, Oh, wretched man that I am. He was not loathing himself when he said that. What he was saying was, when I depend upon the law for my relationship to be right with God, then I have missed the whole message of the gospel. Does that make sense to anybody biblically? When you, when you lean to the law for your right standing, you have denied grace. You have fallen from grace. That's what Galatians chapter 4 is talking about. When it talks about fallen from grace. You have fallen from grace because you're not depending on the grace of God, the gift of the grace, the gift of the faith, and the gift of the righteousness. You're depending on a law to give you right standing. That's why Paul said there in Philippians chapter 3, he said, I want to, I want to receive the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord and be found in Him not having my own righteousness from the law, but the righteousness which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith that we may that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable somebody said be made being made conformable unto his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead somebody said how do you learn that I say it over and over in my prayer time I pray that for you I pray that for all of those for whom I pray. Every man, every woman, every minister, every leader. I'm praying it for them. 
I'll tell you what, what a, what a nation this would be turned upside down if we started getting hold of that. I'm believing God to do that. Listen, I, I told the Lord again, again today, I said, Lord, listen, I believe the church's presence is what's withholding every, everything to, uh, concerning this wrath stuff. I believe as long as we're here that we withhold the, the hand of wrath from this place. When we're gone, all hell will break loose. Somebody said, well, I don't believe in the rapture because that's, that's, I believe that's just an escape. I've got good news for you. It is the escape. Jesus said, watch and pray that you may be counted worthy to, to escape all those things that are coming upon the earth. And baby, they're coming. I can watch the news just for a few moments and I know in my heart that it's coming. But because of the, because of the presence of God's people, there is a hindering and a withholding for that devil, that man who calls himself God, to stand up and say, I'm him. He can't show up until we leave. Anyhow, that's my opinion. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I'm excited about the church. I'm excited about you because you're the church. You're full of glory and grace and don't even know most of you don't yet. That's one thing I'm saying to the Lord these days in my prayer time. Lord, I want to declare once again today, I've received Jesus and I've been given the right to become a child of God. I've been born again. I've been born from above. Of His fullness I've received and grace for grace. Now today I want to be filled with that fullness. See, that's what... That's the exercise of faith. Faith is nothing more and nothing less than the exercise of the Word of God, the Word of God in your mouth. Let's, let's, let's go to a scripture that will help us with that. Turn over to 2 Chronicles. I know I'm supposed to go there because there's something I'm, I'm going to get to and I'm not getting to. Well, it's tough getting you guys once a month. I think I'm a petition for more than once. Well, I got twice last month. Was it second? You know, well, I'm, I'm glad I have to look at my notes. Deuteronomy. Oh, it's just a little bit earlier than that. Deuteronomy 30. Did you get me? Deuteronomy 30. Let me show you something. Now, we just talked briefly about faith and grace and the heart. All God's business because of what He's given us. All our business because of what He's given. But the thing that really stands out to me in terms of us seeking the Lord in prayer and crying out to the Lord in prayer is this thing about will. How many of you know you have a free will? So, well, I, I, I don't know if I believe in free will. Listen, if you have a will, it's free. How do you know God has a will? You know, because God has a will, He can give you a will. Whatever God has, is, He's given to us because He could give it to us because He's God. The grace to every man, every woman born into the world is that we've been given the grace of will. I'm excited about that. 
Because you know why? Today, I will follow him. I will finish the course. I will keep the faith. I will receive the crown of righteousness, which the Lord has promised to those that look for his appearing. I will. How can I will that? How can you, oh, that sounds pretty arrogant. No, I will because he will. I couldn't say I will if he didn't will. Let me make this clear to you real quick before we read this passage. Ephesians chapter 1 says we have been chosen. How have we been chosen? In Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 says we have been accepted. How have we been accepted? In Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 says we've been, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. How? In Christ. So it has nothing to do with anything I've done. It has to do with everything He's done. It doesn't have to do with any decision I've made. It has to do with the decision He made. Now I can choose Him because He chose me. Now I can accept Him because He accepted me. Now I can bless Him because He has blessed me. You know what the Bible says? Bless the Lord, O my soul. I can bless Him. Isn't it something to think you can bless God? It is. Are you in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11? For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend into heaven for us and bring to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that we should say, you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. What does that verse sound like to you, verse 14 in the New Testament? That sounds like Romans 10.8. The word of faith is in your heart, whether it's in the plumb line or not, it's in your heart. You line, that line lines up when you get right with God in your heart, then you have the ability to believe in your heart from God and to confess with your mouth, and that is your deliverance from whatever is before you that you need to be delivered from. Anybody need this week, this past week, to be delivered? Well, we got one or two people that really need to be delivered this past week. Marie, I want to join forces with you. I had to get delivered this past week. And you know what I'm looking forward to? Being delivered this coming week. <laughs> Amen. Yes, sir. I, so you, you just didn't understand my, my question, did you? So this word of faith, Brother Kenneth Hagin didn't make it up. Even though he named his school that, the, the rhema, the, the word of faith, it's... The word rhema means spoken word. That was not Brother Hagin's idea. That's Bible's idea. That's God's idea. And it was found in the Old Testament and affirmed in the New Testament. Just, just for your information, the old is in the new explained. The new is in the old contained. The entirety of His Word is necessary. As a matter of fact, 
when I came into my revival, I, I attributed my coming back into the fear of the Lord because I read the whole Bible. Approximately, I think it was 70 times between 1995 and 2015. And then the Lord released me from going through that. Now I can, now I can go through and read certain passages I like, <laughs> which I found out I like all of them. But you know how that goes. How many of you love Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah? Me too. I even love Job. Yeah, I love the minor prophets. So I like to hang out there, especially Daniel, man. I tell you what, you need to read Daniel about 50 times over the next six months. If you want to find out what's going to happen in these days to come, Daniel lets you know about it. Amen? Well, it's true. All right. My wife told me not to hold the microphone with my left hand. I keep forgetting. So listen, verse 15. See, I have set before you today life, good, death, and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart, what did he say? If your heart, there's the heart issue again, see, turns away so that you do not hear and, that, and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. And I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which the, you cross over to the Jordan to, to go in and possess. This is heavy. Are you with me now? I call heaven, church, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and you may cling to Him, for He is your life. I tell Him that all the time. You're my life. You're my love. You're my light. You're my refuge. You're my fortress. You're my high tower. You're my everything. You're everything to me. My land, that, that sounds like love language, doesn't it? I can't live without you, baby. I don't say that to the Lord. But he knows it comes across that way because I am his bride. Amen. I, I'm glad I can be his bride even though I'm a man. Even though, And you ladies ought to be thankful you can be sons of God even though you're female. Amen. Choose your will. Exercise. You choose blessing. Somebody said, well, the Lord will bless me if he wants to. No, no, no. You choose. He's already chosen. Now you choose. He's already blessed. Now you choose. He's already accepted. Now you choose. Have you heard people say, I've heard people say, well, I don't pray that much because God's too busy. But I want to let you know that God, God's eye is on you. God's ears are attentive to your cry. God calls you His special treasure. 
God calls you His special people. That's who you are. Don't get caught up in the wretchedness and loathe yourself in the wrong way. Let it be the proper application. Only in the application that we said before, law versus grace. You are precious. You are, everybody say, I'm precious. Right before I go to sleep anymore, I say, Lord, you give your beloved sleep, and I'm your beloved, and I ask you to give me sleep. You know I'm sleeping better, Maria. I'm sleeping much better. I slept after 4 o'clock this morning for five hours straight. You know just a few months ago I couldn't even sleep hardly an hour and a half straight. We testify, don't we, sister? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom the Lord's redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I tell you what, it's an enemy when you can't sleep. I heard somebody say one time, I said, Lord, you never sleep, you never slumber. So there's no need for both of us to stay awake. <laughs> Amen. That's true. So you choose. You choose. Listen. Let me, I've got to wind this thing down. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to to wind it down here because this is so important. You see, I wish I could teach you to pray the way that I pray. There's one time I felt like I, I was responsible to do that. But I've come to find out that if I can get you to read the Bible, God will teach you how to pray like He wants you to pray. Because I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk with God, but God knows and He... And he'll prompt you to pray certain scriptures. If you need more assurance, he'll begin to prompt you to pray scriptures that will generate assurance in you and confidence and certainty. Does that make sense to anybody? So, see, that's the wonderful thing about this thing of prayer because that's why I, I challenge you to read the scriptures because as Brad was finding out about reading the Scriptures, really it is like praying. I'll be reading the Psalms many times and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, that's my prayer. That's my prayer. That's what I want from you. That's how I want you to treat me. That's how I want to treat you. Amen? And, uh, but this is, I believe I can with confidence challenge you to this. Hebrews chapter 10. This is my first closing. Chapter 10, verse 19. This is good news. I hope everything I've said has been good news. Hallelujah. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. How do you enter the the holiest place? By the blood of Jesus. Not by your good behavior, not by your good actions, not because you've arrived, not because you've attained perfection, not because you're not sinning. If you come by the blood of Jesus, always remember that. Come by the blood of... I come, Father, in the name of Jesus. I come in His righteousness. I come by His blood, by a fresh or new living way. It makes no difference. Fresh, I like fresh. A fresh and living way which you have consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. Therefore, having a high priest... Over the house of God I come. Hallelujah. I've begun to really have that stir in my soul. Therefore, having a high priest, I come. I've got a high priest. And Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, 
that he is interceding. That high priest is interceding. Do you know that? Turn, turn back to chapter 7 real quick. Let me show you something. This is too good to be true, but it's true. It's written right here. Verse 25, chapter 7. Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession. He always lives to make intercession as our high priest. Look at verse 22. You know what that means? Verse 22 says, So much more Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. The word surety, we've talked about this before, but we need to repeat. The word surety should literally be translated guarantee. He's the guarantee. The high priest is the guarantee. Always the guarantee. His name, His righteousness, His blood. I'm coming today. I tell God, my Father, I said, I'm coming to the throne of grace to receive your mercy and find your grace. I'm not coming begging. I'm not coming pleading. I'm coming believing. Why am I coming believing? Because how can I say that? Because I'm coming by faith. And I know if I'll come by faith, He will intercede for me so that my faith becomes believing. Some, how, how many of you know you believe more than you've been believing? How many of you know that sometimes you believe and let it slip? So it's, it's, See, this thing is of God. Nothing that we do or can do is of ourselves. It's God. It's God alone. It's Christ alone. It's the Holy Spirit alone. They, God is the one. He's made it clear and I skipped over something I probably need to go back to just based upon that. It's Him alone. Nothing added to, guys. You can't add anything to it. It's already accomplished. Because it's accomplished, the table's set. We can come and eat. We can come and dine. For the Master calls us. Come and dine. You remember that one? I'm prophesying to you guys. I really, I'm just, I'm just, I want, I want to stir us up. I'm stirred up. I want you to get stirred up. And I'm telling you, the way you get stirred up is the way that I got stirred up. It's not, it's not just my stirring up. It's your stirring up. Every one of us has this privilege to get stirred up and to stay stirred up. Stir it up. We used to, in the outpouring, we would, we would talk about doing that. Stir it up. Remember the Apostle Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you. That gift is the Holy Spirit. Stir it up. How do you stir it up? By faith. By grace through faith and not of ourselves. In our hearts. He's not looking for perfect minds. He's looking for perfect hearts. Somebody say amen. That's a good word. So verse 22. Again, let's say it. Jesus has become a guarantee of a better covenant. When somebody talks about they want to go back and keep the law, you tell them, listen, I got a better covenant. I got better promises. I got a better high priest. I got a better deal. What do I want to go back to that for? Now, things are good between me and God. Don't let anybody put you under the bondage of being a worker for the sake of being accepted. A worker for the, for the sake of being blessed. A worker for the, for the sake of being chosen. No, no, it won't work. If you don't get it by faith, by grace through faith, you'll never get it. Do you hear me? So when you come to pray and you don't feel like you want to pray because you feel condemned, if like you have, you've missed the mark, you've just gone astray as it were, if not outside, you've gone astray in your heart. 
which is the most critical, by the way. When you've gone astray in your heart, come back quick. That everyone, is, everyone in here knows when you've gone astray in your heart. You know how you know? Because your tenderness is not as tender as it was. Your joy was not as joyful as it was. Your peace was, is not as peaceful as it was. There's an umpire inside of us. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. It will call the strikes and the balls. You'll know when you've walked. You'll know when, when, when you're out. That's baseball, by the way, for those who don't know. The ladies may not know what I'm talking about. Amen? Now turn back to chapter 10. Let us draw near with a true heart. There's that heart again. You see that? A true heart. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. There are times when I'm praying, I, I, I'll, I'll come to that part and i say, I draw near with a true heart. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if it's a true heart or not. But you know what? The Bible says, call things that be not as though they were. So I'm okay. I'm exercising my faith. I come with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having my heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and my body washed with pure water, holding fast the confession of my hope without wavering. For you who promised are faithful. You're the faithful God. It's your faithfulness. You're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You're just and the justifier of all of those that come to you by faith in Jesus. I'm here today. I need your cleansing. I need your washing. I want to cleanse myself from all filthiness of the flesh and of the Spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I want to pursue holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Peace and holiness. Peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And today, Lord, I want to see Jesus. Hey! Everybody woke up on that one. I want to see Jesus. Because I know as I see His face, I'll see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And I'll be changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of my God into the same image. Because I know that my future is to become conformed to His image. And I know that my future is to awaken on that resurrection day with His likeness. Hallelujah! I'm prophesying now. I tell you what. Whew, that's good. I'm getting stirred up. I don't know about you. He made me in His image and after His likeness. And I thought about it as Brad was talking about that this morning. And I want to make certain we all understand this. I know he understands this, but I want to say it. Before the foundation of the world, God had already determined. Before anything was ever done, He had already decided it. He had already decreed it. Jesus had literally already been slain before the foundation of the world. He didn't have this as a second thought. God knew that He was permitting the Jews to sin so that He could have mercy on them all. He wasn't the, the one leading them into the sin, but He knew that was coming. He permitted the Gentiles to sin. He permitted it so that He could have mercy on them. I'm quoting Romans chapter 11, verses 32 through 36. I may need to read this. I see some of you might need to read it to you, but... Galatians chapter 3.22 is talking to the Gentiles and the same thing is said to them. He permitted it. He permitted sin. So why did the Lord do this? Why did the Lord do this? Let me tell you something. God is smart. Who's His counselor? Did He need counsel? No. Who taught Him? No, nobody to teach Him. I like what I heard you hear a brother of mine say, we don't know who we're messing with. 
Jesus. This is God. And I remember when I had a hot relationship with Jesus, and I'm getting back, you understand. I'm on my way back. I'm in a hot relationship with Jesus. Don't condemn me until after you've gone through sleep apnea and Parkinson's yourself. I'm telling you. I'm getting back. Because I see in the face of Jesus Christ, my Father. He said, I, me and the Father and I were one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you hear me, you've heard the Father. Somebody said, well, you need to divide up the Godhead. You can't divide the Godhead. God is the Father, and God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. The three are God. The three are the Lord. The three are God. The three are the Lord. The three are the Spirit. They have always been. They have always been. Never been divided. You'd think to hear somebody's preaching that they were wandering around out in the never-never land. Of, of nothing and ran into each other and decided they'd get together. No. Folks, we're dealing with God. I mean, He's amazing. We're, we're dealing with God who can proceed from Himself. We're dealing with God who can come in the flesh. We're dealing with God who can come in the Spirit who continually proceeds from Himself. Isn't that something? That's what we're talking about. Everybody stand up. Don't you want to choose to get in on this? The Father sent Jesus into the world looking for you. And He found you and He found me. And then when Jesus went away, He sent the Holy Spirit into the world in a whole new dimension. He had been here, but He came in a whole new dimension to take up residence in our bodies to become the temple that's not made with hands. Just like His body. He came with a body that was made for Him so that we could have a body like His body. I almost hollered again, but I, you may not be able to stand that. That's what Job, you remember Job? Job had that revelation under him. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives and on the earth again will stand. In my flesh I will see Him. Woo! Don't tell me you ought not be reading Job. Man, Job, you read, I know his, his friends, that's tough, that's tough reading. One time I read it and didn't read the friend stuff. <laughs> I said, well, God, if you said that, that they didn't have the right word, why should I be reading them? But now I read them too. And if you know what I found out about them? Their ancestors, their, their, their seed is still in the earth. You'll find them in church all over. I, I know this is a whole other message, but anyhow. You've always got people who want to straighten you out. You've always got people who want to tell you why you're in the shape you're in. If few and far between, you'll have faithful come alongside of you and say, I'm here for you. I don't care how far you fall down. I'm going to pick you up. We're going to get back up and we're going to go together. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know if I prophesied enough, but I want to make certain that I prophesy enough that you'll be stirred up. Because I'm telling you, God's called us to prayer. The pastor, Pastor Kevin, he's, he's, he's a wonderful teacher. He's teaching us. Stir us up. We want to pray. We want to believe God. We want to cry out. Think about the children of Israel. Now, the Lord said he got tired of hearing them crying out. <laughs> yeah, and he finally inclined his ear and delivered them out of Egypt. That's what we need. Get him tired. Listen, Isaiah chapter 63 says, Give him no rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. 
I said a long time ago when I read that, I find that the Lord spoke to my heart. And I said, now, Lord, I'm saying this to you. I'm going to give you any rest until you make Charleston a praise in the earth. Make our city a praise in the earth. Amen. That's, man, that, that's faith. I mean, when you can challenge God like that, see, so you're not challenging God to twist his arm. You're challenging God with what he said. Let me remind you of what you said, Lord. That's what the word of faith is. That's what the walk of faith is. It's not pleading and begging. Listen, the Lord will never be moved by your tears or moved by your pleading. He'll only be moved by your faith. Even though I used to sing a gospel song, tears are a language God understands. I don't know what that meant, but we sang it anyhow. It took me a while reading the Bible before I realized there was a problem there, but be that as it may. Joyce, I hate to tell you this. There's a lot of stuff in Southern Gospel Music that there's a problem. Somebody said there's more inaccurate doctrine in gospel singing than in any other form of era. It's true. You know why? Because most of us live by our emotions. Most of us live by our feelings. Well, brother, it has to be God. I felt it. Well, if, but if the Word says it's not, then it's not. Amen. Anyhow, that's just a whole other hobby horse we can, we can run here. But I'll tell you, I believe the Lord's calling us to prayer. And I want to encourage everybody to, to let's join in corporate prayer. 